And welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Last time we were together, we were talking about the back-to-school chaos, managing the back-to-school schedule. You just spent 10 to 12 weeks with an easier schedule. Perhaps you did not have to get up at 6 o'clock, get your kids up and get them out the door and race them off to school and make sure they had their lunch, their jacket, whatever it is that that morning routine is during school time that makes life chaotic for those few moments between waking up and getting off to school. And so we talked about some of that. And um, what we're going to talk about this time is something that happens all too often. And unfortunately, it affects a lot of people. It still has to do with back to school, but it's bullying and peer pressure. And so that's what we're going to talk about on the um, show today. Too many people get bullied. Too many people are pressured by their peers and others to do things that they should not do. And it becomes a problem, not only for the person that is receiving the pressure or receiving the bullying, but also for the people that are encouraging it, the people that are doing it. Oftentimes, administration and teachers might not see it or witness it, or they might only see the retaliation and not the initial bullying. And so there's a lot of things that we're going to discuss as we get into it. It's a complex behavior that is really kind of hard to understand. It could be um, bullying or peer pressuring. Someone into doing something could have various factors as to why they're doing it. Home, their home life might be a certain way that causes them to go to school and to lash out, and they lash out by bullying others. Or they want to get away with something and do something, but they don't want to do it alone. And so they get their peers to do it with them. So whatever it is, it's important to know that not one single factor contributes to this kind of behavior. It's hard to explain, that's for sure. But many many factors can contribute to it, like I said. But here are some things as we just jump right into it that go along with bullying. So first off, why are we still bullying in this day and age? And what could be some of the purposes behind bullying? Because everybody knows that bullies is insecure. Like why would you have to make somebody feel bad just so you feel better? That's sick. Like, why would you have to talk about somebody or get a few laughs and now you feel good at the expense of somebody else's pain? And what you don't know is that that person you're talking about that's hurting, that might not be as popular or as pretty or as, 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 as successful as you, whatever, like whatever you done made up in your mind that you think you are, just because that person might not be there, you have no clue. When they go home, they're getting abused at home and they're dealing with their own drama at home and they're on the verge of quitting. And they come to school, the only place where they can find a little refuge. And they got to deal with your insecurities. It's time to bring around a new culture. I want to see a culture of a school where we say, you know what, I'm going to speak life. When I see this person sitting by himself, I don't got to be a part of a club to go sit with them. I'm going to go sit by my man and just make sure he's good. He might even speak to me. He might make me feel weird. I just want him to know I see him. I just want him to know he's cool. I just want him to know, you know what I'm saying, I'm glad that you're living. When you start treating other people how you want to be treated, it's the golden rule. 
This ain't nothing new, but for whatever reason, the media, this new culture, it's got us on some me, me, me stuff at the expense of others, and it's gotta stop. I found out that 121 people per day commit suicide in America. That's a problem. People are hurting. And you got the power to save a life. You got the power to speak life. You got the power to let people know that they got worth and they got value, so we on character now. You becoming the best version of you you can be. That's what I want you to do. So I don't want you just to excel in the classroom and to excel when it comes to that. I want you to excel internally too. See, it has to do with character, who we are. Now, the bully could be somebody that is dealing with all kinds of issues. One could be low self-esteem. They might engage in bullying behavior to boost their own low self-esteem. They want to exert power over somebody else. It's their own insecurity. They might lack empathy. They might have a difficulty understanding or caring about the feelings of other people. Maybe they get abused at home or maybe they're not recognized for accomplishments at home. They get ignored. Maybe they're in a large family, whatever the case might be. So they come to school and they lack that empathy. And that empathy or lack of empathy then leads to them engaging in hurtful behavior. Or perhaps maybe it's an aggressive behavior that they have. A predisposition towards aggressive behavior, whether due to personality traits or learned behavior. Learned behavior is a big thing. You know, parents, what are you doing in the home to make sure that your child is learning the correct behavior? And so in that clip, they talk about bringing about a new culture, a different culture, a culture that isn't about me, 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 a culture that isn't about I, isn't about my feelings. It's talking about the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's talking about being a leader and leadership. You see somebody sitting at the lunch table by themselves, regardless of the situation, you're going to walk over and sit with them and make sure that they have a companion, someone to eat with. So they're not eating alone. You see somebody walk in the halls by themselves and bullies knock their books down. Do you just stand by or do you say something? It takes leadership to change the culture. If you want to bring about a new culture, it's going to require leadership from students to step up and push back against the bullies. To let them know that this is not acceptable behavior, regardless of your low self-esteem, regardless of your lack of empathy, regardless of your aggressive behavior. And aggressive behavior is a little bit more difficult because you confront them, they're going to want to confront you back and it's going to escalate. And that's the really the fine line area that a lot of schools have to deal with, that escalation. Because a bully isn't going to realize they've done something wrong and then, oh, I'm so sorry. No. It's almost like that, hey, you need to smack a bully in the mouth attitude, right? Which is something we're going to talk about coming up a little bit. They always say that a bully has to be bullied back in order to be cut down and realize that, oh, this is what I'm doing isn't acceptable. But we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later. But these are some things that when we go back to school and that school dynamic is being set up, maybe it's a new student coming from another school. Maybe it's you're going off to a new campus. You went from middle school to high school, from elementary school to middle school. And so you have upper class people wanting to show their dominance over the new students. And so they come in and they start to pick on them and they start to bully them. Another area could be their family, fact, uh, family factors. 
what goes on in the family, like we mentioned a little bit, parenting styles, inconsistent discipline or lack of supervision can lead to people being bullied. Lack of supervision could also include what they see on the internet, what video games they're playing, the violence that they see. Whatever somebody is taking in, consuming, it's going to change their heart. It's going to become what their heart is and what their heart wants. And then their actions, because their thoughts are going to be changed, then their actions are going to be the end result. And the actions of bullying are what they see. So if parents are lacking that supervision and allowing your kid to do whatever they want, then that could be problematic. A parent that has a style of just allowing anything and everything to go on can contribute to bullying. Parents have a big, big say in the outcome of their kids. And I know there's a lot of times in this day and age that we've gotten to the the medication. I have ADHD, or my kid has ADHD, or my kid has this or that, and it needs medication. That's what we've kind of gotten to. And that makes it easy on the parents. Or we just give the kids the iPad or let them be on the computer, you know, babysit them while the parents go do whatever. And you have to be actively involved and guide. And that's unfortunate from the standpoint of if you have parents that are out there and they're not living their lives the way they should, then kids are going to emulate that and see that. First, it was way back in the day, it was like drinking and smoking. You might see a parent drink or smoke, and so the kid picks up a cigarette and wants to take a puff or maybe take a swig of dad's beer. Maybe the dad tells the kid to go to the refrigerator and bring him a beer, and so that kid is actually engaged in that alcoholic possession. And so that's what they know, that's what they see, so therefore they emulate that at some point, and they start to smoke. And then as we get into peer pressure, they don't want to do it alone because They're being pressured that smoking is bad for you. So they want others to join in. So they get other people to do it. What about dysfunctional family just in general and that environment can cause somebody to be a bully? Neglect. The bully feels neglect at home. The bully is abused at home or has conflicts. All those type of things can add up to it. And then like the clip said also, what about the student that comes to school that is neglected, that is abused, that is having problems in the family dynamic, whose parents don't care about them, and then they have to endure the bullying. You know, one of the sad things when it comes to these school shootings, and I did some research on the Columbine school shooting, and it's pretty sad that the two guys that went in and shot up Columbine school, they were actually bullied. They were actually picked on, so much so that it became natural to them. There was a video clip that appeared to be legit of them walking down the halls because they're filming themselves, and these jock-type people come up and just knock into them. And they don't even say anything. They just pick up and keep going. And then they interviewed a classmate, and the classmate said, yes, bowling for them was a constant thing. So the end result was they got some guns and shot up the school. Now does the bowling excuse the shooting? Absolutely not. But you can understand what at some point in time, they're not going to take it anymore and they're going to lash out. And that's what happened. And so some victims, although they were victims and you can't deny that and you sympathize with that, but maybe they weren't so innocent. Maybe if they hadn't bullied, 
then you would not have had the shooting. There's always two sides to things, but then there's kind of like the, the truth. Oh, these are bad kids. They were into some bad things. They had some guns. They did this. They did that. They're bad people. Well, what led them to that? Parenting or lack of? Bullying at school? People looking at them and calling them names? Alienating them? It all adds to it. And then ultimately, boom, that grenade goes off. They can't take it anymore, so they start planning their massacre, and that's what happened. A bully can also see behavior being modeled after them, especially younger kids. They may imitate bullying behavior if they witness it at home, maybe from parents or older siblings. So when you have the individual factors of a low self-esteem, a lack of empathy, and aggressive behavior, could be one or a number of those things that the individual has. As a result, perhaps, of family factors, such as parenting styles, family dynamic, and then, of course, modeling the behavior that they see, now you're starting to see some issues. Another factor, school environment, a lack of adult supervision. The supervision in schools or lack thereof can create an environment where bullying goes unnoticed, unaddressed. I was watching a movie recently, and it was this elementary school where this little girl was uh, playing on the monkey bars, whatever they call them these days, and she had a hat on. And so she fell to the ground, and a couple boys came over to her and started picking on her. And one of them was the main bully, you know, again, elementary school. And had to do with the hat. Had to do with the hat. So the girl asked one time, hey, give me my hat back. And the kid persisted to bully. Give me the hat back. Kid persisted to bully, pushed her to the ground. So she gets up and punches him in the gut. Then hits him in the face, gives him a bloody nose, takes the hat back. Says, I asked you twice to give me my hat back. You didn't. And he walked off. Well, as she's walking off, of course, the adult supervision only sees the girl hitting the guy, the boy and not what initially sparked it. So, of course, the girl is the one then is that's getting in trouble. But that's a movie Hollywood example of what goes on in real life. You're not watching. You're not paying attention. You see it in football. We're on the verge of football season. You see it in football all the time where a football player might push someone from the other team so the other team pushes back, and they're the ones that get the penalty. It's always the retaliation that gets seen and not the initial so if you're a teacher in school and you have playground duty, are you paying attention? Are you watching? Are you making sure that things are going smoothly? And if something is escalating, you're there to step in. What about being a part of a peer dynamic, a group that is a little bit more mischievous? Maybe they're a part of a group that condones or encourages bullying. That can influence somebody's behavior. You know, perhaps you're a part of a group that maybe is into martial arts and you like martial arts, UCF or UFC, whatever it is. And so you start to emulate some of that in your group and then you get to the playground and someone lashes out at you or does something to you. And so you then use your UCF or UFC skills to knock them down because that group engages and encourages a violent behavior. I'm not saying UFC is bad, but again, what are we allowing watching? I went to a rock concert not too long ago. In fact, it was Motley Crue, I'll just tell you. And I saw a little 12 and 13-year-old girls at Motley Crue concert. 
excuse me, why are they there? Do you not know the music? I guess the question would be, why was I there? But again, as an adult, that was my choice. But it's like, why are they there? Why would you bring your kids to a concert like that? Either you don't know the music or you're just bad parenting styles. So again, the school environment could have some issues. You ever seen Mean Girls? What about the hierarchies and social status? Many movies are out there like that, where bullying can sometimes be linked to a desire to establish dominance over a social hierarchy. The hot pretty girls attack the nerdy girls. The jocks attack the theater people. Again, the nerds, some kind of wonderful. So again, you've got the individual factors. You've got the family factors. You've got a school environment. And then, of course, you've got community and social influences as well. Obviously, the media will influence. Exposure to violence or aggressive media content can shape attitudes and behavior, potentially contributing to bullying behavior. There's a lot of times I'll be scrolling through uh, social media, and then I'll get a post that pops up that says sensitive material, and it's kind of blocked off. And then you can say watch anyways, and you can click it, and it pops on. So imagine whatever that sensitive material is that the social media platform deems as sensitive material, so they initially block it from just public view, but yet anybody can still click on it and watch it. So there's things out there that people can see. Grand Theft Auto was a game that people would want to emulate that had violence. Or what about those shoot 'em up games? Was it Call of Duty maybe? I know one movie, for example, that uh, is now what reached the 10th film, Fast and Furious. I believe it was the first one. There was a scene where some guys would lay down in the street and the cars would go racing by them. Well, somebody tried to emulate that and got ran over. So they had to cut that scene out. So there's a lot of influences in the media that dictate why kids do things. And if your parenting style is inconsistent, or is there a lack of supervision, or if the family dynamic is dysfunctional, or you see somebody modeling this behavior, then they might implement it. Cultural norms. Societal norms that value aggression, power, and dominance over others can contribute to the prevalence of bullying. And a lack of anti-bullying programs, communities and schools that do not prioritize or implement anti-bullying programs may inadvertently foster an environment where bullying can thrive. It takes a proactive attempt to stop bullying. It takes people, students of courage, to stand up and push back against it. It takes programs and awareness. But oftentimes now today, the cultural norm is invested in other things. And so bullying maybe gets put on the wayside, on the sidelines, and people get away from it. But again, it goes back to that supervision, that adult supervision and adult parenting. You know, last time we were together, we were talking about back to school. Episode 171, I believe it was, if you want to check it out. It's the back to school, managing the back to school chaos is the title. But there was a, a, a clip in there that I played or of me saying that, you know, when a kid becomes 18, oftentimes we just kick them out the door. Now we think they're an adult. 
when that is the time that we need to kind of start over the second chapter of parenting and try to usher them into adulthood. Okay, this is what it was. I think oftentimes what happens, kid turns 18, and unfortunately you hear this a lot, kid turns 18, they get kicked out of the house or they have to go to work or take care of themselves, and everyone just thinks they're 18, they're grown up. That's not the case. In fact, it, it's almost like you have to start life over again, okay? So as an infant, a toddler, now kindergarten, elementary school, middle school, high school, you have to take care of them. Obviously, you're legally obligated to take care of them, but hopefully you do it out of the goodness of your heart because they're your kids. But then they get to college and we're like, okay, you're done. You've grown up. But that's when we got to start over and take care of our kids even more because they're entering a whole new world, a whole new world of responsibility, And so we just kick them off into adult world and think, hey, you're going to be okay. That's not the case. We need to make sure that when they are in adulthood, or at least I should say in college, the college part of adulthood, or that 18 to 22, that we're still taking care of them. We're still instructing them. We're showing them the ropes on what it's like to be a grown-up, responsibility. And that could include time management, self-care, finances, Uh, respect towards others like teachers and colleagues. So there's a lot of things that we can do, especially you as the parent, that is beneficial during those formative years of adulthood, college. And that's what it takes. It takes parental supervision. It takes somebody, a mentor, coach, somebody, if the dad or parents aren't around, to make sure that they are watching and modeling good behavior, that they're invested in the child, that they're showing proper behavior, how to treat others, the golden rule, teaching the golden rule. Schools provide an environment that adult supervision is adequate, that you have anti-bullying campaigns and anti-bullying programs or an emphasis on anti-bullying, that the cultural norm creating a new culture, as we heard earlier in the clip, Creating a new culture, the cultural norms is that of helping others, supporting others, not of a bullying nature. And then we have to look out, especially teachers, if we don't know what the parenting styles are of parents for the most part, right? We can probably guess based on the student, but we don't really know. But if you're in the classroom, do you see a student with low self-esteem? Do you see somebody that's lacking empathy or maybe has an aggressive behavior? Are you just judging them based on what you see? Or do you have to go the extra mile? Are you going to be the best for that student? Are you going to be the best for that classroom? Or are you trying to be the best in the world? And if you're the best for that student, you're going to try to find out what's going on. And maybe just by stepping in, you might be able to change a person's life. So again, factors could be individual factors, including low self-esteem, lack of empathy, and aggressive behavior. Family factors, including the type of parenting style that the parent implements, if any. The family dynamics, is it dysfunctional or not? And of course, the modeling behavior, is the parents modeling good behavior? Are the uh, older siblings modeling good behavior? The school environment, including a lack of supervision, peer group dynamics and hierarchies and social statuses. And then, of course, the community and social factors. What 
media is influencing? What are the influences of social media? Cultural norms and a lack of anti-bullying programs in the school and in the communities. And then, of course, cyberbullying on technology is something that requires a whole new conversation. But if you're going to overcome bullying, it can be challenging, and of course, it can be an, emo- an emotional journey. But you got to remember that if somebody's bullying you, okay, then it's going to be a tough road because what do we do? Okay, how can we handle it? What might some steps be in order to stop bullying, including like maybe even teasing, for example? Um, so I got a clip that I'm going to play, and it really talks about it's focused on um, I think it's focused on that of, well, I'll just play it and then I'll let you figure it out. We know that verbal teasing is very, very common amongst adolescents, and it doesn't even really matter how popular you are. Everybody gets teased as a teenager. It's how you react to it that determines how often you're teased or how severely. And the problem is that as adults, we often give kids the wrong advice in how to handle teasing. In fact, I ask teens this question all the time. What do adults tell you to do in response to teasing? And they're always told to do these three different things. They're told to either walk away, ignore, or tell an adult. And then I ask them if it works, and they say, no, it doesn't. Because the reality is that that's not what kids who are socially accepted actually naturally do. What kids who are socially accepted do in these situations is they act like what the person said didn't bother them, and in fact, it was kind of lame. So they'll give a short little comeback that shows that. They'll say something like, whatever, or yeah, and, or your point is, or am I supposed to care? Is that supposed to be funny? You know, or they'll say, anyway. And they'll roll their eyes and shrug their shoulders, and they give this impression that it doesn't bother them and that what you said was kind of lame. And the reality is that when people tease us, they're trying to get a certain reaction out of us. And that's not the reaction they're trying to get. They're trying to get us upset, they're trying to get us mad, they're trying to push our buttons. But if we make the teasing not fun for them by acting like what they said was kind of lame, it's making it less likely that we'll be teased in the future. Do you agree with that? Should someone walk away, ignore, or go tell somebody? Or do you take the approach of that was lame? Because, again, you notice the key there was socially accepted kids. And oftentimes the kids that are bullied are not socially accepted. But if the socially accepted kid is like, that's lame, whatever, don't give in to the reaction because reaction is key. The bully, for whatever reason that we've discussed, is trying to get a reaction out of you. If you don't give them that reaction, they might go away. If you continue to give them that reaction, then that's where that escalation might begin where you then have to pop back. The bully, the bully, the bully, boom, you hit them back and then you're the one in trouble, not the bully. So that whole ideology of, you know, it takes someone to smack a bully to get them to stop bullying, there may be some truth to that. And it may work with some people, but... One potential strategy before you get that far is just ignore it, laugh it off, whatever. Again, that may escalate or it may resolve the issue. But there's other things you can do before you resort back to violence because it's the reaction that the bully is trying to get. And so, yeah, you might walk away, ah, whatever, laugh it off. You might ignore it. That was lame. 
Maybe you do go tell. The one thing I would say that when it comes to these issues, it depends on the age of the student or the child. If it's elementary age, obviously they, there needs to be notification of the, of the school. The school needs to know that this behavior is going on. Middle school as well, the school needs to know. When it gets to high school, depending on what is going on, it may be able to be handled by students themselves. Or if it's more severe, then maybe you need to go and talk to the school. It's never a bad thing to have it on record that this is going on with the school, especially in the litigious society that we live in. If you're showing evidence, here's an example. So I knew a kid that was kind of being bullied in uh, middle school. And so told his parents, parents informed the school. Happened again, the child informed the teacher. Happened again, the child informed the teacher. Happened again, kid popped off and smacked the bully. Knocked him over a hedge. Knocked his ass out. So obviously the school comes in and wants to rain holy hell on the kid that was bullied. Well, now they look up the record. Oh, parents notified the school about this potential kid that was bullying their kid. Nothing was done. Kid told the parent, uh, the teacher, nothing was done. Kid told the teacher a second time, nothing was done. School is not doing anything to protect the kid from being bullied, so the kid steps up and protects himself, knocks the kid out. Kid stopped bullying him. Last resort, kid took care of himself. Again, lack of supervision right there. School environment, lack of adult supervision. Teachers and school supervisors, administrators, if you're not going to do something about it, and a kid takes care of themselves, takes care of it themselves, you're really going to come down on them for doing that when your lack of action was the result of this end result in violence? That's on you. That's your responsibility, especially when you're talking about elementary school and middle school. High school, it's a different dynamic. But again, you should always set that kind of paper trail in motion, as they say, proof that you tried to resolve this issue in another fashion, you tried to laugh it off. You tried to walk it off. You tried to ignore. You tried to tell. And then, yeah, if none of that works and it's persistent, might be time to step it up a notch. I know I might get blowback from that, but that's just facts. Because there are ways you can try to resolve it. So with that, you can also reach out for support. Like I said, you know, you might tell the school so there's a record, an official record of what's going on. But talk to someone you trust about bullying the experience that you're going through. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a counselor at school. Maybe it's somebody at a church or a group organization that you talk to. Maybe it's a mental health provider. I know many people that have had their kids go talk to a mental health provider, not because anything was wrong, but just to talk it out. Talk out life, whatever. You know, How's the stress of school going? Just talk. Let the kid talk, and that was it. And that's been helpful because it relieves the stress and anxiety of just the whole school experience. And then when something has happened where the kid lashes out, well, he's already under the care of a therapist. And so the punitive damages are less. But again, it goes back to, is the school doing its job? So you reach out, you're sharing your feelings, you're talking about your emotions, maybe getting advice. Document the incidents. Look at that. Keep a record of the bullying incidents, including dates, times, locations, and any witnesses. Documentation can be valuable if you need to report the bullying to authorities or school officials. Stay calm and confident. Bullies only thrive on the reaction they get from their targets. If you remain calm and composed, 
then they might not get the reaction they're looking for. That's what the, the clip said. It's about the reaction. You know, set boundaries. Make it clear to the bully that their behavior is not acceptable. Politely but assertively tell them to stop. Use confident body language and maintain eye contact. Some of the stuff that these experts put out there can be a little bit like not realistic, but it's true. Set boundaries and be firm in those boundaries. Again, if you have low self-esteem and you're the one that's being bullied, you might need to try to build up some self-esteem. Engage in some activities that you do like or excel in. Develop skills and hobbies that allow you to gain that self-confidence. Obviously, you need to practice self-care, which we're going to hear about in a little bit when it comes to peer pressure. But take care of yourself physically and emotionally because that's going to be important. And then, of course, you're going to report it to authorities. So you're documenting everything. Maybe you tell the school at some point. Maybe you just have to go to the police, the authorities, and let them handle it. Um, obviously, you got to protect yourself when it comes to cyberbullying um, online, online safety. But again, I'm not really getting into cyberbullying because that's a whole different topic onto itself. But it's okay. It's okay to reach out. It's okay to talk to somebody. It's okay to stand your ground. It's okay to defend yourself. That's all okay. But hopefully if you have parents, parents of the bully, the one that is being bullied, are you engaged? Are you actively showing good proper behavior on how to handle things? If you're going through that whole thing too, then your child will see the behavior that they should be conducting themselves as, as the recipient of the bullying. And so, yeah, ignore, walk away, tell. Clip said doesn't work that much. All the people she's interviewed, psychiatrist or psychologist, and they're like, no, that doesn't work because it's about the reaction. So you have bullying and now you have peer pressure when bullying is usually an act of violence or an act of something perpetrated on someone to get them to be the result of a bad thing. Okay. So usually it's some sort of violence, some sort of bad thing, smear their name, whatever it might be. Peer pressure on the other hand is trying to exert influence to get them to go along with you. Peer pressure could be bullying too, but again, you're trying to influence someone's thoughts someone's actions, someone's emotions, and usually get them to go along with what you're doing. And, of course, there are several factors. There's just not one that can lead to someone being peer pressured. Um, But reasons why people engage in peer pressure, they want to be accepted. People often want to belong and be accepted by their peers. They They fear rejection from others, so they conform their behaviors so that they can be a part of a social group, even if those behaviors go against their own values and their own beliefs. Social comparison. People tend to compare themselves to their peers, and so then the end result is, oh, I don't measure up, so I need to make sure that I go along with whatever they're doing so I can measure up. If they have shortcomings, they want to overcome those shortcomings by engaging in whatever it is that the cool kids are doing. So they might feel compelled to do some of the things that the other people are doing. They have a lack of self-confidence. Self-confidence is a big problem when it comes to young people, the lack of it. 
And that stems from many different things. You can ask probably 100 therapists and you'll probably get 100 different reasons. But building up someone's self-confidence, especially a young student, is important. And that's where adult supervision, mentors, teachers at school, coaches, parents, leaders of organizations, that's where you can come in and build up that self-confidence. But with low self-esteem or low self-confidence, they might be susceptible to peer pressure. They may seek validation from peers and be more willing to go along with the suggestions to gain a sense of belonging. They have a fear of being excluded. If I don't go along with it, I'm going to be excluded. I'm not going to be a part of the inner crowd. So they want to participate. Or maybe somebody is an authoritative figure. Peer pressure doesn't just happen from student to student, kid to kid. It could be teacher. How many times have we seen a teacher probably use peer pressure to engage in sexploitations or abusing the kid sexually? Pressuring him into doing it. But peer pressure can also be influenced by individuals in positions of authority within the peer group. Maybe a charismatic leader or an influential individual. You know, the alpha male or the alpha female telling you to do things. And again, it goes back to cultural and societal norms. What's the norm of society? Is it acceptable or desirable to do this, do that? All right, you had to go do it. Peer pressure. And then the lack of decision-making skills. Some individuals, especially younger ones, might lack the developed decision-making skills. They may yield to peer pressure because they struggle with making an independent choice. So if you're sitting in a situation, okay, you've got a desire for acceptance, social comparison, lack of self-confidence, fear of exclusion, influence of authority figures, media and advertising, cultural society, and norms, or the norms of culture and society, and then a lack of decision-making skills, if those are all things that contribute to somebody going along with pressuring into doing activities or being pressured into doing it, what could be some of the things? Now, this is the um, specific cut. It talks about drinking. So it's a focus on drinking at a party, whatever. But if you listen to what's being said, then you have the ability to apply it to a lot of different things. You can take away the the drinking and insert anything in there, and I think this would work. Tip number one, know your why. The first step in dealing with peer pressure is to be confident in your decision to abstain from drinking. Whether you're sober by choice or for health reasons, it's important to know that you have the power to say no. Remember that it is always okay to prioritize your own well-being over other people's expectations of you. Tip number two, have a plan. Another way to deal with peer pressure to drink is to plan ahead. If you know you'll be attending an event where alcohol will be served, bring your own non-alcoholic drink or find a sober buddy to support you. Having a plan in place can help you feel more supported in your ability to abstain. Tip number three, set those boundaries. Learning to communicate assertively can also be helpful while navigating peer pressure. If someone is pressuring you to drink, be clear that you are saying no. You don't owe anyone an explanation, but being assertive can help you feel more empowered in the moment and lead you to increased confidence in your recovery journey. Tip number four, the butterfly strategy. 
Have you ever been focused on something, but then out of the corner of your eye saw a butterfly and completely lost your focus? This effect can be used to purposely target peer pressuring situations. The strategy involves redirecting the conversation to a different topic or the butterfly. If someone is pressuring you to drink, try changing the subject or suggesting an activity that doesn't involve alcohol. This can help shift the focus away from drinking and onto something that you can engage with well. Tip number five, show some self-love. Dealing with peer pressure can be stressful, so it's important to practice self-care. This could mean taking a break from social situations where you feel uncomfortable, seeking advice from a therapist, or spending time with your support system. Remember, your health and well-being should always come first. So again, you start with being confident in your decision. And again, you could take out the drinking and put, if you're being peer pressured into anything and you don't want to do it, no, I don't want to do it. Be confident in that. Be confident in your decision. You don't owe them an explanation. You don't owe them anything. If you do not want to do something, don't do it. They may call you names, chicken, coward, whatever, you know, what, Michael J. Fox and what was it like Back to the Future? And maybe it was the second one, Back to the Future 2, whatever it was, where the guy wants to drag race. Marty McFly says no, calls him a chicken, and then they take off. Call him a chicken, got him to do things peer pressured into doing things that usually got him into trouble. But be confident in your choice. No, I don't want to. Why? I just don't want to. Be confident in it. And again, that's where the lack of self-control, I mean, the self-confidence, lack of self-confidence can hinder somebody from being confident in their decision to say no. Okay? Have a plan. What are you going to do? Is the place you should even go, first off. And if you go, do you have a plan? What are you going to do? Are you going to get out of it? What if someone approaches you and really puts the pressure on for you to do something? Ladies, what if a guy is coming on to you and is pressuring you, pressuring you, and pressuring you into sex, and you don't want to? What are you going to do? Do you have a plan to get out of it? Are you going to have a plan to not put yourself in that situation? And guys, why are you even doing that? Why are you even pressuring somebody to engage in an activity they may not want to? You need to have some self-control. You need to be the man and step up and be like, okay, that's fine. Your answer is no, that's it. Why continue pressuring them into something? And you see it all the time. There's a whole Me Too movement that took off because of men not being responsible and not doing what they're supposed to do as a man. But ladies, have a plan. Anybody, have a plan. That's another thing, too. If you're on the college campus... And now we're back to school and it's a college campus and there's frat parties and other social events. Do you have a plan? If guys are pressuring the sex, do you have a plan? If he becomes aggressive, do you have a plan? What are you going to do? And you're confident enough to do it. And if you say no and you run off, you're going to be called whore, skank, slut, whatever. You didn't even do anything. Are you okay with that? You should be because why would you want to compromise your beliefs, compromise what you want in your life? You don't want to engage in this activity with this person? Then it doesn't matter what they say because if they're calling you names now, we've just learned they're bullying you and they have an insecurity about maybe their sex life, maybe their anatomy, and you rejected that. Maybe their confidence, maybe their ego, and you rejected that, and so they're going to lash out. But be confident. Have a plan. Set boundaries. If you're at a party, set boundaries. Maybe you shouldn't go to the party, but set boundaries. I'm not going to, if it's a frat house, I'm not going upstairs. I'm not going down the basement, wherever. If it's um, some other things, 
set your boundaries. If you have a plan and you're setting boundaries and you're being assertive in that, they don't need an explanation as to why. Why don't you want to do it? doesn't matter why. Here's my response is no, and that's it. Um, maybe you change the plan. She called it the butterfly effect. I think most of us know it as the squirrel effect, the dog squirrel, and they're looking off to the other side. But, yeah, maybe a distraction. Just change the subject. Why don't you want to drink? Why don't you want to drink? Why don't you want to drink? Well, you know, let's, uh, I'm not going to drink, so let's go listen to some music. Let's go pick a song out of the jukebox. Let's go make up Spotify playlist because the music here sucks. Whatever it is you decide to do, distract. And then, of course, it goes back to self-care, self-love. We talked about it a couple times in here. Take care of yourself mentally, physically, emotionally. Maybe you have people you talk to on a regular basis that you confide in to give you the confidence to, yeah, stand up against these people. Maybe you've been exercising and just staying fit so you're able to push back physically if necessary. And then maybe you've been working on your mental game so that you know that I'm confident in what I'm saying as this answer and set in stone. I'm not going to waver from it. So again, have a plan. Be confident in whatever choice you make. Set your boundaries. Maybe you have to change the subject. And then, of course, take care of yourself. Whether it's dealing with bullies, whether it's dealing with peer pressure, or whether it's dealing with the chaos of just going back to school, you've got to take care of yourself. Because if you don't, that's only going to lead to some other issues. So what are some things that you can do to combat? Like we just kind of talked about, some, some more specific things. Um, obviously, know your values. If you are convicted by your values and your beliefs and you let them guide you, then that's going to be a good start. That's going to allow you to be steadfast in your decisions. I know a lot of people that uh, are of the Muslim faith. I am not. But they are praying regularly. During the Ramadan, they were praying regularly. We'd be in class and the alarm clock would go off. Yep, go pray. They were steadfast in that belief. Uh, what they eat, what they drink, or fasting during Ramadan. They were steadfast in that. So their belief, they were concrete and steadfast in their belief that never wavered. Okay, that's how we need to be. That could be an example that we learn is that if we are at a party and someone wants us to do something, we say no, and we're not going to give into that. So we know our values. We know our beliefs. We know what we want out of life. I'm going to college to do X, Y, Z, and I'm not going to allow a frat party on a Saturday night. Ruin that. It only takes one Friday night to ruin a lifetime. Have self-confidence. So you need to build up your self-confidence and your self-esteem. Don't get validation from others. If you need to get validation from others, you're going to have a problem. Choose your friends wisely. Surround yourself with friends who respect your choices and your values. They provide positive feedback and support. They're understanding of your decisions, and they won't pressure you into doing things that you don't want to do. Obviously, again, set your boundaries. Have a plan. Learn to say maybe. It's kind of like the butterfly squirrel effect, but okay, maybe, and then change the, uh, the topic. Okay, so instead of saying no, maybe I'll think about it. Well, let me check my schedule. And then you can always come back with no, I can't do it or whatever. Educate yourself. Sometimes peer pressure stems from misinformation or lack of knowledge. Educate yourself about the potential consequences of certain actions so you can be informed of your decisions. Going back to school, I've mentioned this in prior podcasts, but if you're going back to school and you've got a young kid, let's, let's say junior high, maybe high school, and you're starting to pass around seductive images of somebody under age. Okay, first of all, you shouldn't have that material, but let's just say you have it. Someone sends it to you, and now you're in possession of it. And so you send it. Do you not realize that if you're underage and you're in 
a, a possession of somebody that's underage in sexually explicit material. It's child pornography, and you could be charged with possession and distribution. So maybe you don't know that. They say, I didn't know that. Well, ignorance isn't bliss. Ignorance doesn't let you off the hook. You have to educate yourself. I only had one drink, so I'm going to drive. Maybe for some people, one drink doesn't do anything to you. So your alcohol, blood alcohol level is not even close to being over the limit or near the limit. Others might take one drink and boom, you're three sheets to the wind. Educate yourself. Know your limits. Seek support. Talk to trusted people, trusted adults. You know, part of the concept of Two Steps Ahead podcast was just that. The concept started from a college campus. I, along with my partner at the time, we were just like two steps ahead in life, ahead of these college students. And the idea behind it was to let them share in our lives, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes. We're just a couple steps ahead in life. And so this is what we've gone through. And so by us sharing our stories, maybe we can teach you a thing or two so that you can avoid the pitfalls that we went through, but then maybe learn from the successes that we did. Okay. So we were trying to be those people out there that would provide sound and sane guidance through a podcast, but you can do that with a trusted adult or parent, a teacher, counselor, mentor, many other people out there, and maybe hopefully this podcast. But again, that was the whole genesis of this podcast was to a couple steps ahead in life, a little bit older. This is what we've gone through. This is what we've learned. These are experiences. We share them with you, and now maybe you can learn from that. And of course, learn from mistakes. If you've done it before, you've succumbed to peer pressure, okay, you learn your mistakes, don't do it again. That's what history is all about. You learn from your mistakes so you don't do it again. And, of course, perception is everything. Peer pressure plays a role in teenagers' drug use the same way it plays a role in almost every aspect of teenagers' lives. Teenagers are exquisitely sensitive to how their friends and peers perceive them, and they assign great importance to those relationships. As they try to navigate the rocky waters of puberty, and they try to, they try to find their place in the world, they naturally move from their parents to their friends as the most important social group in their lives. This is normal, it's natural, and it should be expected by parents. The thing that parents shouldn't do is assume that once they've been assigned second place, that they've lost their power position. It's maybe they've lost a little bit of their absolute control, but they have not lost the ability to influence their kids' decisions. When parents stay involved with their kids' lives, they directly impact how those kids act. And it's really important that they not fall prey to peer pressure because kids that feel supported and loved and maintain relationships with their parents are less likely to succumb to peer pressure than kids who don't have their relationship in their family. The most important thing that parents can do is never stop trying. Never stop telling their kids that they love them. Never stop telling them that their safety is their first concern. And it's also important that parents continue to review rules, consequences, and expectations because that kind of clarity really helps kids succeed in the face of peer pressure. See, parents have a big role when it comes to the outcome of their kid, more so than we want to give credit. In fact, there's a big push now to keep parents out of the decision-making process. Schools are making this push to keep parents out. I should tell you something. Because parents, you should have the number one, you should be the number one influence in your kids. If schools are trying to keep you out, and you don't like that, take them out. 
Put them someplace else. Homeschool them. Do something. Because if somebody doesn't want you as the parent involved, that's a problem. That's a huge red flag. And that person or entity is up to no good. They're using your kid as a political pawn. So parents, you need to never stop trying. You're going to be the biggest influencer into your kid's life. The decisions they make are going to emulate your decisions. It's often been said that young girls, when they grow up, they look for somebody that has the same attributes as their dad. Sometimes that's good and bad, but they do it. But it's the importance of perception. How am I being perceived by my peers is going to affect my behavior. If my standing with my peers is elevated, then maybe I don't have to succumb to peer pressure. But if it's low, maybe I have to succumb to peer pressure to try to elevate that perception of who I am. But did you catch that? Supported and loved by parents. Kids that maintain a relationship with their parents are going to be less inclined to go along with peer pressure. Again, it goes back to the parents. Parents, are you involved? Are you watching out for your kid? Are you their best advocate? Do you want what's best for them? Are you going to stand up against people that are trying to push you out of the equation? And there's a lot of that going on today. But never stop trying. Because once you stop trying, you've lost the battle. You might feel like your influence over your kids is gone because their friends have taken over. But that power that you have over them, the power of influence, because it'll come full circle. Eventually, their friends will come and go. They go off to college. And if you had that relationship, you've maintained that relationship, and you've continued to support and love them, they'll come back. And then you will be number one again. Your daughter has a child, your grandchild, moms. They're going to look to you for help and support on how to deal with the 3 a.m. crying and the endless diaper changes because they're inexperienced. And maybe that's an opportunity for others to step up. Maybe there isn't a mother in her life, but you can step up as someone who's had experience as a mother or as a father. There's a lot of opportunity out there for us to raise the standard in our lives, to bring out our inner greatness so that we can do great things hoping then to inspire and motivate others to do the same. And then if they do that, then hopefully they inspire and influence others to do the same. And now you've got this thing going on and on and on, a sphere of influence, just because we raised the standard. We elevated ourselves. We didn't want to settle for less. We're not going to allow our kids to be bullied. We're not going to allow our kids to be a bully. We're not going to allow our kids to succumb to peer pressure. We're not going to allow them to pressure their peers. We're going to model good behavior. We're going to invest in their lives, guide them along the way so that as they maneuver life at whatever age it is, they have an understanding because every day they're going to learn something new. Every day they're going to experience something new and then change is going to come along and they have to start over and learn those new experiences and learn those new ways of doing things and the expectations on them because at one point they were a kid. So that was their excuse. I was a kid. The expectations are kind of low. So we have to train them and teach them. If you go to kindergarten, first, second grade, for example, and you watch those teachers, a lot of times they're trying to teach good behavior. 
fourth, fifth, and sixth grade at an elementary school, you start to get the, hey, you should know by now. We don't run in the halls. You should know by now. We don't talk in the halls. You should know by now. We don't pass notes. In the other grades, you're like, hey, don't do that. We don't do that. And, of course, we get to middle school and elementary school. We kind of have this expectation that they should know, but we got to keep reminding them. And then when they get to 18 adulthood, we just, like, figure they already know it, and we let them go. But as we see here, because peer pressure and bullying doesn't stop after high school, doesn't stop at college. It goes into adulthood. Adults deal with this exact same thing. Adults are bullied. Adults do the bullying. Adults are peer pressured. Adults pressure their peers. So it doesn't matter what age you are. It runs the spectrum, the gamut. And see, these are ways that we can hopefully avoid succumbing to it, avoid becoming one, and then navigating that. And if you know somebody that's being bullied or somebody that is uh, succumbing to peer pressure, maybe you can step in. Maybe by some of the stuff that we went over, you've learned a thing or two and how to maybe intervene for them. Maybe you come up with a plan. Maybe you step in. Maybe you're the butterfly effect, the squirrel that changes the subject. Maybe you're the one that steps in that's documenting everything. Maybe you're the one that's reporting it to the authorities. Because of their low self-esteem, they can't do it. So there's a lot that can be done by all of us when it comes to the topic of peer pressure and bullying. Are you going to be the best for that person? For that school? For that student? For that district? For your kids? Or not? It's completely up to you. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. You can check out our website at RadioWarp.com. That's Radio, W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. A lot of different things on there, but if you look at the uh, logos, you can click on the Two Steps Ed podcast logo. You click on it, it takes us to our Rumble page. All of our videos are there, so you can click on it and watch the shows via video. There'll be an orange kind of banner bar that goes across the screen um, on the website. That takes you to the SoundCloud or the audio portion. You can download them and take them with you on the go or just listen to the audio portion. We're also anywhere you listen to podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartMedia, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Basically, you can do an internet search of TWO, Two Steps Head Podcast, and we pop up. Hey, Surrey. Hey, Google. Hey, Alexa. Play TWO, Two Steps Head Podcast, and our episode pops up. On Instagram, it's TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. You can listen to clips of the show. My personal page is Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. If you want to know a little bit more about me and who I am, you can go to my personal page. And of course, then you can email the show, TWO, Two Steps Ed Podcast at gmail.com. And if you send me something, um, I'll get it and I'll respond back to you. It might take a little bit of time, but uh, I will respond. Or you can just DM me, uh, direct message on social media because you can find us there. Two Steps Ed Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.